yes, yes. Welcome to the Inside Out Podcast. I'm your host, Linton Felix, here with my esteemed guest. Today we have my man, Pretty Eye Mike Manley, the original Ohio player. Welcome to the show, our second episode. So glad to be back. Say what's up, Mike. Yes, sir. What's happening, everybody? Glad to be back, man. It's good. And joining the show new this week, his name is Micah Almond. Almond, Almond, you know, it depends on where you want to put the emphasis on the right syllable. But from Moro, Georgia, Moro? You know it. You, you know, know Moro, Georgia. But he, he now lives in Buckhead because he's on, moved on up like Jefferson. It might be a lie, but it might be true. Who, who knows? But welcome to the, the show, Michael Harmon. Say what's up, man. What's going on? Great to be here. Let's get it. All right. Happy. All right. And last but not least, the star of the show. Some people call him doctor. Some people call him uncle. I call him the devastating dominator on the crossfader. You know who he be? Dr. Uncle Professor Brian Bentley. What up, Brian Bentley? Say what's up. Order. How's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? Glad to be back. Uh, doing good, doing good. We have one more member. His name's Chris Potter from the uh, Peas and Beans uh, sports group on Facebook. He might be joining us, but it's Easter weekend, so, you know, some people can't get away. But I'm here, we're all here, and we're going to get it started. It should be fun today, so let's get going with the first, first topic. And it's, it's, it's kind of a serious topic, and we're going to jump into it real quick. It's going to be your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson situation. Usually we're kind of lighthearted, but I wanted to get this out the way because it's a serious, but it's a serious situation. And I just wanted to get each and everybody's opinion on the topic. So seeing that Mike is the newest one, we go, Michael, what do you think about Deshaun Watson and the rape allegations with uh, that have been brought upon him in the last, let's say, a month? He's, got, he's up to like 21... Is it 21, Mike? 21? 21. Last name, last name. Yeah, so so what's your thoughts on that, Michael? Um, you know, the thing about it is the more names, it you know, it started off as just hearsay, and then it just one by one, you know, kept adding. And it's like it's it's not looking good for him. You know, that that's a serious thing, you know, especially these days. Yeah. And, um go ahead, go ahead. And, you know, it seems like a repeated behavior, you know, you know, you look up some of the details of, you know, what they are saying he did. It's like, you kind of look at him different, you know, trying to be traded and things like that. It's, it's, it's a hard ordeal. Yeah. And, and, you know, the conspiracy theorists and many of us, and I being one of them, I, I'm not trying to minimize the, 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 the charges and whatnot. But it seems kind of iffy, you know, because one minute it was just three women, then it's six. And then each week it's like a new, it's like up to like 18 on one side. And then his lawyer brought 18 more people, women to say he's not like that. So it's like 36, 37 women. And I heard Shannon Sharp say like, that's a lot of massages and a lot of masseuse. It's like, you know, most people got one or two people that go to like 37, 38 women, different masseuses. It's like, it seems kind of if, and especially that he wanted to be traded and all of this stuff started coming out. So Dr. B, so do you lend any credence to the fact that maybe it's kind of a, a let's say dicey kind of situation as far as the credibility of these allegations? Well, you know, again, you know, the, uh, 
you know, you want to take the allegations and everything, you know, serious is an unfortunate, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, you know, spoken to several people and they questioned the timing of it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. In terms of, you know, he wanting, you know, to get traded and all these, you know, different, uh, you know, stories, you know, allegations are coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, being a fan of the, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, you, you want to lean on the side of, you know, hoping, you know, this is not true and that everything, you know, works out so we can get back to, uh, to the business of football. But, you know, you just have to, uh, you know, take the time and evaluate and, and, and you know, and just go through all, you know, all the information that, that, that's presented. You know, hopefully these allegations are not true, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it's just an unfortunate situation. What say you, Mike? And I mean, overall, like I look at it, like I'm I'm taking it seriously, and there's a lot of it's it's the the story's a lot a lot of like like Michael said, like a lot of the situations, people, the things he's did, how it went about, the accusations. But to me, it's like the lawyer that's doing it. You know, there's he's he's a neighbor or friend of the owner of the team, and he's yet to hand over. From the last time I I, I paid attention on Friday, yet yet to hand over any information to the Houston PD because now. His thing saying that one of the the the, the um, offices on some board in the Houston police is a son of the the lawyer who's the the the, the defense lawyers. So it's kind of like he's he's let he's putting out there that there might be some foul play as far as the Sean Watson side go. If there's someone who has connections to to the to the defense, what do you think? Right. So. The challenge that I have with this whole situation, mm-hmm. it's it's a couple things. First, you know, my heart goes out to anybody. If there was somebody, and we do understand these allegations, so we're not passing judgments either way. Yep. But if there's somebody out of the one out of the 21 mm-hmm. that were uh, negatively impacted by this, so my heart goes out to them if that's the case. Yeah. Um, I, I think that just where there's smoke, there could be fire. Mm-hmm. But my biggest problem with all of this is and and if if he is innocent and i'll say if if yep. he's innocent or if he's guilty if he's guilty then he'll eventually get what he deserves yep. but if he's innocent my problem with deshaun is this this man has one of the, the most physically gifted bodies out there yep. right mm-hmm. and i equate it this way if you own a ferrari or a lamborghini uh-huh. You're not going to take it into Walmart to get an oil change. That is true. Or, or tire rotation. Yeah. So, how are you on Instagram looking for somebody to service your body? I mean, it is he. This is the only one he has, and this body makes him millions of dollars. And like mm-hmm. I said, I'm not trying trying to pass judgment either way. Yeah. But there's some bad decisions happening. Regardless if he's innocent or guilty, how are you going on Instagram? looking for you some that's, not, that's my that's not, my history with it yeah you're not you're not really and it's the, the women he's getting it's like they're not really masseuse i don't think because we don't really know who they are but on instagram like you like you said you you play for the houston texans texans for the nfl it's got to be somebody on the team that can recommend you a doctor someone let recommend you a good masseuse to get you so you're not going out and just say because then that's what lends to the fact that I was just playing devil's advocate. Now I'm on the other side saying, well, look how we went about getting these massages. Like, it couldn't have been on the up and up. He wasn't looking for a massage, per se, because you wouldn't go to Instagram. He's got doctors. He's got trainers. 
he's got a trainer, so the trainer's got to know him as soon. So it's either, yeah. it's, it, either way, I mean, the the bottom line is is that people we've been around even this last year, the last eighteen months, last two years, you know that a bad decision will send you down in flames. Yes, it will. Mm-hmm. And there is no, there's no error for judge. I mean, there's, there's no room for an error there. Mm-hmm. You've got to make some good decisions, some good sound decisions. And, you know, just, is Deshaun the only one doing this? Maybe not. Maybe there's people on his team that's doing this. And, and you know, he just got yeah, caught. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but either way, you just got to be real careful, real careful, because a, a misunderstanding will send you back years. Or, or he's, he's, he's messing with his money. That's what it's like with him at this Yeah, point. because right now, yeah, being from the devil's mm-hmm. advocate, like now he's he's technically he spoiled me because yep. as he can't go anywhere else, he has to stay in Texas now. So mm-hmm. that lends to the whole conspiracy theory of yeah. it's a setup because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, out the blue, he wanted to go. They said no, and then he there was getting to a point he might they might have to. And then boom, here come these accusations. Yeah, and now he can't go anywhere. He's suspended. He's on the the, the commission is exemplary, but he has to sit out because of the investigation. But on the other hand, you can look at it uh, on the, the, the other side and say, well, he did go on Instagram to find these people. And were they licensed masseuse? Maybe, yes or no. I don't know because we don't have names yet. But at the same time, how he went about it makes it seem real shady. Um, any follow up on that, Michael? Yeah, it's it, it just it just doesn't seem right, you know, and I think about his resume now, you know, he's trying to go to another team. Yes. Just like you said, you're spoiled meat, you know, they're going to ask him every time he goes to a new place, you yeah. know, what about this? Yeah. And it's yeah. in the sense of, even if he's found the charges are dropped and everything, you know how this thing goes. It's, it's, it's fought in the, the court of public opinion. Somebody's going to have a sign. Somebody's going to boom, you know, and there's always going to be that. Did he, I believe he did. And, you know, it kind of happened in Women's History Month, too. So that's what, like, as a conspiracy theorist, like, you could be like, whoa, the timing. You, mm-hmm. Like, this many women, how did you find this out in a matter of months from the time he, were you going to, was this going to come out before he said he wanted to trade? Or, you know, what what is going on? Was this information always available? What say you, Dr. B? Follow up? Well, you know, again, just to piggyback, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I believe it, you know if he if he's found guilty or not guilty, his his reputation is tarnished. Yeah. Uh, and it's, again, it's an unfortunate you know situation that all these allegations you know have come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, again, I, you know, I just wish him the best. You know, go, you know, going forward, and yeah. I just you know, just want to see what the outcome is. You know, hopefully the outcome uh, of all this uh, is in his favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if he's guilty, you know, of, you know, these allegations, you know, he would, he would be have to held accountable for it. So He'll probably get jailed uh-huh. if, if yeah. there is criminal charges actually filed. Probably get yeah. jailed. Time. And yeah, it's unfortunate. Unfortunate. Counts so of what would be considered like forcible rape, I guess, or against the person's will. So he'd be doing some ties. And in all essence, his his career would probably be over. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at a great career coming out of college. What he, what he accomplished in college. What he, what he's, you know, doing in, t- in terms of transcending within the NFL. And yeah. now you have this. So. I, I hated to start off on a somber note, but I just wanted to get that one out the way because I didn't want to get into the fun and stuff, and then all of a sudden we bring this up. Just wanted to address that, being that it was just Women's History Month, and we all like have sisters, 
daughters now, you know, so this type of subject always to me now resonates even more, even more. But speaking with the NFL, we're going to change the, the, the tenor of the show so far. And the next question is, we're going back to New England, you know, but it's by way of Atlanta, Georgia. So there is a tie-in, you know, there is a tie-in. Will Cam Newton bring my Patriots back to their proper place in the NFL on top of it? Mike Manley, being the resident New Englander, the resident right now, what say you? All right. So first, get, and this, this is a tie-in back to Deshaun real quick. I, I was out last week and I asked this guy, mm-hmm. um, would you trade for Deshaun Watson? Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, if you'd have asked me a month ago, two months ago, I would have given up three first-rounders and Gilmore just to get Watson. Really? Because he just he, he said, you know what? The way Watson is such damaged goods right now, mm-hmm. I must have Cam for another year. And he then he went on for another five minutes to talk about how he felt about Cam. Now, will Cam have success in New England? I am going to say probably not um, because there's a couple things. So I'm in this area and I saw every game, right? And I saw him throw for less than 100 yards at least six times last year. And that's hard to do when you throw for less than 100 yards in six games. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Cam is a beast. And he's a physically ass. He is a physical specimen. He is that. Yes, he is. But I don't think that he has the ability to succeed. To succeed, and it's not physical ability. I just don't think that he'll have the opportunity to succeed here. He is a stopgap. He is so they. You look at New England right now. They have two backup quarterbacks on two backup uh, contracts. Yeah. They don't have a starting quarterback contract in New England right now. I don't think that they have any intentions on having them be the starter long term. Is that just business? Because you know it's Bill Belichick. Like he could look at it and be like, I know I've got Cam Newton here. And 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 in his defense, I'm gonna put this forth before we, we, we move to another penalty. Cam Newton came back from injury, right? Started off the season, he threw like for like well, when he the first game he threw for like three hundred something, then he played Seattle almost 400, 500 yards. He was doing well. Then he got COVID. Yeah, I agree with that. And then he came back. So he was already behind after he was already behind starting the season. So now you come back, and you don't know how COVID really affects you with your strength. Yeah, he was the face, but I could look at him and be like, I've seen this dude throw the ball. He may not have been the most accurate, but he always had a big arm to me. So with him throwing the ball so short sometimes, let's put it that way, (laughs) I was like, he hadn't played ball really in like a year and a half. So Yeah, it's true. He was skipping rocks across a lake. That's what it looked like half the time. He wasn't even hitting humans. <laughs> some of those passes. But I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to leave it like this and before you move on to the next panelist. Mm-hmm. That's true. So all those points are true. But you look at the Patriots offseason, and they overpaid just about every spot for every free agent that they got. Yeah, you look at. Um, but they had the cap room. Like, is it overpaying, or you have the cap room? They had, they had the cap room to, to give Cam a bigger contract than what they did. They gave him another one year at at, at short change. They could have overpaid that too if they thought that he was if he was going to be the, the future there or even the present. You're the present. So that's the one the most important position on the team. Mm-hmm. It short changed that. 
okay. That's my home girl, Yvette Ford said. Cam's not the one, but Yvette, I disagree with you. He might not be the two. <laughs> <laughs> he might not be the two. But here's my, Uncle B, here's my thing. Bill Belichick is a shrewd businessman. I don't look at contracts as his true feelings. His true feelings are, I can get Cam for $8 million. If he does well, then I can pay him. How long, you know, he does that with everybody. So to say just because he got $8 million is he's a backup because it's backup money, Bill Belichick brought him back like he saw something in him and was like, if I can get him for another year for $8 million and we could do well, then maybe he's worth it. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, I, I agree with, you know, that assessment. Uh, I think, first, I think Cam needs some additional weapons yeah. on, on, on the outside. Uh, Before you go, but, Patriots wide receivers last year ranked the worst at separation. So mm-hmm. from between giving your quarterback room to throw, the, the Patriots were like sub five yards or something like that. So basically he was throwing into tight coverage all the time. Mm-hmm. Nobody could get open. Continue. Mm-hmm. But I would want I, w- I want to see Cam just uh, put a little more dedication in, right? Because mm-hmm. I think if he comes in, you know, you know, focus. I, I think he can get back to. Uh, I'm not saying get back to the MB- MVP level. I don't say that. But he, yeah, but he could. Uh, he can. He can do really well in New England. But you know, again, it is hard for a team. Well, I, I would say you know the Patriots can you know uh, bring back you know some. Some uh, success in the AFC East. I mean, you have the Bills and yeah. uh, you know the, the the Jets. Who who knows is is up and down. I mean, really, it's just it's really yeah. the Bills now. It's really the Bills. Yeah. for years yeah. now, competition. Yeah. But the Bills, yeah. solid. They're they're yeah. ones. That's why we're like I'm like you got to keep Cam because whoever you bring in, you're still going to be another year behind to learn that yeah. Patriots system. Exactly, and also the Dolphins. The Dolphins are coming up also, but. That's you know, for any team, any team in the AFC is going to be difficult when you have a team in Western Pennsylvania. So that's all I'm saying. So, yeah, dude, oh boy. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. There you go. The who? Okay. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna pretend we didn't hear the Pittsburgh. But Steelers. uh, but yeah, he has a chance. He just needs yeah. to, needs to uh, you know, de- dedication. Be in the league and as a starting quarterback. Why can't Cam Newton? That's yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. What about you, Mike? I know that's your boy right there, Cam, coming out the dirty shot. You know what I'm saying? You grew yeah, up. Westlake. No, Westlake High School, man. Um, yeah, you always root for Cam, you know, but, you know, like any any quarterback, he needs time, you know. And with Bill Belichick, with that system, you know, he can turn Cam into, you know, a better Cam, you know. He just needs time, and you need to learn the system, you yeah. know, and also uh, playmakers. You know, he had Steve Smith and Greg Olson in his prime down in uh, Carolina. Uh, Carolina, yeah. yeah. So he needs, he just needs weapons. Any quarterback in this league, like, there's no quarterback who can, who can take bums. Like, I know the Patriots love, we have fans, we say, oh, yeah, Tom Brady. <laughs> but let's be honest, even though Troy Brown and all those guys weren't household names, they were solid players in the league. They were really solid. They didn't, they didn't have the notoriety and the, the name recognition, but literally they were, solid players who could get open and then eventually they were more players then they drafted well and got some superstars who grew in grew up in their system so to say cam with julian edelman his best receiver wasn't even there who would have, who were the tight ends like mm-hmm. the system is a lot based on tight end play do mm-hmm. double tight ends tight ends weren't there wide receiver nicole nicole harry barely getting open so it's mm-hmm. like yeah i'm throwing 
but who am I throwing to? And mm-hmm. defenses don't have to double team. They're just spying because nobody's a threat. So in a league where you have to have deep threats, like the, um, in Buffalo, they got Stephon Diggs. But then little, what's his name for who used to be with the Cowboys? Um, what's his name? White guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. The, yeah. He's, he's a block receiver, but he's open all the time because now you've got, time, yeah. got Diggs over here who's, who's, who's got, gathering like six to eight eyes on him at all times. So everybody's open now. So the Patriots, I think they did well. Yeah, we got the cap room. We might have overpaid, but hey, so is life. If you want to be a Super Bowl champion, sometimes you got to overpay for that because the benefits far outweigh the, the risks. You know what I'm saying? So, so I agree with you. I think that I think that he has the ability to do better than last year. He has no choice. It's hard to do worse than what you did last year. Now, you're going to get him a full season underneath his belt because he did start late, and, and he did pick up the playbook later than even your average free agent. So he got a later start. They didn't have training camp. They didn't have all the right. training camp stuff. It was just, let's go and get ready for season. Yeah, now, I think he's going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, he, 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 this is this is his year to to prove because he's there's got a couple more weapons, he's got some options, and if he's still throwing at people that not even playing football, like, <laughs> like he was whatever whatever routes they were running, he wasn't he was reading something different. I'm not sure where because they, he was hitting wide open grass. <laughs> the cameraman looking, it was panning around to figure out who which receiver was he throwing to. Listen, Mike, I mean. You are you're a Titans fan, so let's 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 just stop. Well, listen, anyway, I, I I hope I hope Cam does well uh, for the sake of Cam, and I hope that I still don't think that he's long term in a Patriots uh, uniform. But I hope whatever he does this year will be the bridge to get him to where his next stop truly will be. I, I think he's a long term solution, to be honest with you. I, if he does well. With, if he What's does that? well. If he does well, yeah, he does yeah. well. Like any quarterback in this league, you got to do well. I just think New England needs that swag. We need to see a quarterback come up there with hats, with feathers, and, you know, say you may call him a D, but he got swag. Like, come on, let's let's be honest. We need that. Mm-hmm. No? A little spice. Yeah, y'all need a little spice up there, man. spice up here. Nah, there's not a lot of spice. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of room for spice on this team. Bill Belichick, he, he – he clamps down people on media. He doesn't let people be who they want to be. That's why you see Gronk mm-hmm. and, and others happy to leave, and they say, "Finally, we can be NFL players. We can, we can be, <laughs> we can voice our opinions. We can speak to the media." But, he, but mean, Cam never was the, the the type of guy who needed attention by talking to the media. Is what I'm saying. Cam being Cam is enough. Like he doesn't have to talk and make outrageous statements to get attention. He's six foot four, six five, two hundred and sixty pounds, and he wears bright yellow outfits. So Bill Belichick can say, "Don't talk to the media." That's fine with Cam. He just will still be Cam when them Atlanta boys just come through clean. You know what I'm saying? I could be dressed. Yeah. Like, you see them closets behind them? Them them closets right there on the left side <laughs> and the right side. There we go. Is his hats? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now that we're in the NFL, let's stick to the NFL. Something that I saw come up today. 17-game season. And I was trying to do some research. I'm trying to figure the money don't change. The money just gets spread out over 17 games. So whatever your contract is, I believe, it's still what it is. So like, even though they added an extra regular season game, you're not getting an extra regular season paycheck. Your money, it's not like 
okay, I was making 400,000 each game. You're, it's just going to be prorated over 17 games now. So my, my thing is I love the NFL. I love football. But I feel like these dudes get taken advantage of a lot. You put your body on the line. Like you said, we're talking about Cam. He's coming off a shoulder surgery, you know, because he got hit so hard. There's people throwing him. It's a physical, violent game. And now he's making $8 million where he was making twenty before. Now you add an extra game in there. That's all about money. It's not about anything but pure money. What, what say you on the fact that NFL, like somebody says, is it like modern-day slavery? I'm not going that far because you opt into that. Slavery, you had no choice. But do they have a monopoly where they can just make rules and the players have no choice but to follow? What do you say, uh, Michael? Sorry about that. I, I, I definitely think, you know, they definitely look for loopholes, you know, over the players sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, it's hard on their bodies, you know, that week 17 and then, you know, postseason's coming up. And a lot of teams like to, you know, side their players, you know, for resting uh, purposes. But, yeah, I just think about the aspect of their bodies. That's that's tough, you know. And I think they were saying that 17 game is more of a, a contract incentive. You know, you can, you know, boost your stats and, yeah. you know, earn your bonuses and things like that. But I just sometimes not, I, that's not – You're not getting – That's not worth it. Yeah, it's not like I'm going to get a bonus. I could have gotten that bonus in 16 games. But mm -hmm. sit me out game 17 and I don't get my bonus, but you get that extra revenue, that extra TV contract, because I'm sure by adding that other game, that's more money for another nationally televised game. They're mm -hmm. not saying, well, the same contract we had, just spread that out over 17. What do you think about that, Uncle B? Well, you know, as, as a fan of the game, I love it because that's more football I can watch, you know. <laughs> but, you know, however, it, it may give an opportunity for other players to to play more, get more reps in. Uh, you may, you know, I was listening to a, a show on, on, on TV a couple of days ago, the term load management. So you may have more more, more load management, you know, in the in, in, in NFL, you know, mm -hmm. similar to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, and I agree, it's all about revenue, it's all about about money but you know i do wish you know at some point i know due to the 53 man roster 55 man roster uh you cannot spread the monies out and expand it as in other sports but i just i do wish those those guys can get you know some additional monies you know because it, it is a physical rough rough sport you know yeah what about you michael mike cup not michael mike cup uh, yeah, I mean, the thing I think about it also is the timing of it, you mm -hmm. know, the announcement of the 17 season, you know, the world's opening back up, quote unquote. Yeah, I feel like they may be they're like, this is our chance to earn a little bit more of what we lost over last year. Oh, that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, is it, that's why I was saying like, they, it's like a loophole, you know, like, maybe we can make it seem as if, you know, they're not overexerting themselves, mm -hmm. you know, they may be putting more money in their pockets, but at what cost, you know? You know, that's what I, how I feel about it. What about you, Mike? I, I agree with that. I, my question is, and this, this is, this is something that may be in consideration for these players. So if they take away a preseason game or two preseason games, that's, they're getting to their money faster because I don't believe that they get a full game check for preseason games. So if the trade-off is an extra week of a game check versus 
playing in a preseason game and not getting paid anything or getting paid short money mm-hmm. and getting hurt, then it may make sense to go to that 17th game. Um, the other thing that I look at is this, and people say this all the time, and I and I get into arguments, and I get into disagreements because when you, you brought that up early on. People equate it to you know the, the owners taking advantage of players and and they call it slavery. First of all, I, I, it's we, we should never equate sports to slavery because we're talking about millionaires, millionaires, exactly. and exactly. equating that to somebody that that. We all know what slavery is, so I don't even need it to, to, yeah, yeah. to you know, go into that direction. But NFL, so I'll take a look at it this way. Think of it this way. Mm-hmm. You look at a musician, an entertainer. Yeah. Their, their product is music. You look at an actor and actress. They're mm-hmm. entertainers. Their, their product is film, TV, whatever it may be. Athletes are entertainers. Their product is sports. Yeah. So... What the, the the consumer of that is the fans. So they're out there playing. You know, they're great at what they do, right? They're great at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're gifted specimens. They make millions of dollars. And at the end of the day, they make millions of dollars to entertain people. So if if the sports demands or if it's heading in the direction of 17 games, they may have some say. But at the end of the day, what's driving this is the fan. It has nothing to do with the, the owners are making more money, sure. But the end, at the end of the day, the player's going to be making more money, too. And that's mm-hmm. true. And I, the you keep fans, the more money everybody's going to make. And that's true. I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's – it's, I'm, I'm never saying it's slavery. And and I understand the NFL is a monopoly. Like, they, they can basically tear up your contract. There is no contract. Like, regardless – they'll hold you to your contract. Right. You can't hold them to your contract. Where mm-hmm. In what world does that make sense? I don't know because if I sign a contract with AT&T tomorrow for a new cell phone, if I try to leave and say, you know what? Y'all just ain't doing it for me. There is mm-hmm. a fee I got to pay to break that contract. NFL at any point in time, they can just say, we don't want you anymore and tear up your contract. But if you come back and say, Oh, I, I need more money because I did better. They're like, well, no, you signed for this. Like at what point and what can we do to say, like to make this a reality? Like can't like, we're the fans. We benefit from this. We're the ones driving this. At some point, can we stand up for the players and say, like, listen, I enjoy the sport, but I fear is fear. Like, mm-hmm. should we, because the players try and they can't, they can't, well, as fans, yeah, ask, we need to lend support and maybe make it difficult on the owners? Yeah. Well, let me ask this question. What, what do you guys think can be done uh, for the players' players' union? So that's the thing. That's the thing, and, and that's the most difficult part because if I had a choice today, and you ask me what sport would I go to, NFL might be that's one. Of my, that's probably that probably is my favorite sport. That'd be the one I wouldn't want to play because of a myriad of different reasons, and one of them being the the collective bargaining agreement. And they, the CBA has them pigeonholed into these non guaranteed contracts. You look at baseball; mm-hmm. that's yeah. I'll be putting but but here and still getting paid, and I. I don't even remember what he looked like, let alone remember the last time he played baseball and he's still getting a million a year. A million a year. And he, he's been 20 something years because mm-hmm. I was in high school or so graduating when he, he was getting out of the game. And they said that he had like 88 million left on his contract because he was injured and couldn't play anymore. And the <sighs> Mets prorated it out. And it's basically 
for the rest, damn near the rest of his life. He's isn't it up to like 2036 or something? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's getting a million dollars from his content wow. Still free from, from the Mets. But in football, a dude can it's all about the guaranteed money. But if you stay, right. you sign a 50 no, million, bonus. yeah, you get 50 million guaranteed, it's still 35 million that they have to pay you that they can decide, ah, we don't want to pay you that, you're done, and then you're out 35 million. What do you think, Michael? It, it's, you know, that's why they say the, the lifespan of a player is short. You know, you can get hurt or something can happen, and that's your money. You know, you see players, for example, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. What? Wait, and wait, wait, with wait. that, you I'm know out. that. You I'm know out. that. I'm out. I'm out. You know that. I knew it, but I didn't. You just jogged yeah. the memory. Why? Pops, man. That's why. Uncles. You. Uncles, I, it was nothing else I could, I could root for. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do like the Falcons. Just that's another story, you know. But <laughs> exactly, but the support just because I'm from here. But that's my nothing, team. But not for nothing, and not to sidetrack you. But that look that Lynch just gave you could be the same for the Cowboys because the Cowboys yeah. went like a three four year run, and they've been living off that shine for years, and they haven't yeah. done nothing. And Smith got grandkids now. <sighs> That's and, how long yeah. Emma Smith got grandkids. And mm-hmm. So you tell me mm-hmm. how long Cowboys been relevant, bro? Every year, yeah. right now they talking about that coming back. Like every year, the Cowboys got. Oh, I'm telling you, the pieces they got, mm-hmm. the pieces don't amount to ish, man. Like, come on now, but continue, Michael. It's terrible. But, yeah, not not to digress, but you yeah. know, you see what happened with that. You know, with his with his yeah. leg. Mm-hmm. That that right there, they were writing him off right there. Yeah. His his career was in jeopardy that fast, and, and it's I, just it's that easy. He got the money more because it was a PR thing. Because I think Jerry Jones and they would have looked bad. They were like, "Yo, this dude was giving you talent, giving you work, and you wouldn't pay him." And now that he mm-hmm. always breaks his leg, his ankle, now mm-hmm. you, you dump yeah, him. You People are gonna look at you like, "Come on, man, that was foul." So I think that that's that situation is in itself by itself let's say that's not the norm because most guys if they get hurt and they were phenomenal plays the year before they would be like cam which leads back to cam cam was mvp all pro all this stuff gets injured all of a sudden he gets replaced by teddy bridgewater who before that had torn his acl and he was on a a minimum backup contract for Drew Brees, who before that had torn his shoulder and got replaced by Philip Rivers. So it's mm. like a meat market. So like when you look at the connection, like at some point, if you're not a quarterback, usually you're, you're out the league by that point. Most quarterbacks <laughs> get a chance if they have talent. Mm-hmm. But anybody but a quarterback, especially a running back too, you're out yeah. the league. So imagine you worked all your life from peewee league to – high school to college and now you're in the pros and you get there and in three years after 10 15 years of playing football you're out the league and basically even though you people say oh you made millions though but at the same time if if i I signed a deal and i'm only getting five million my rookie deal five million a year after i pay taxes that's two and a half million then my agent gets some and then i gotta pay for family so I've, i've literally come away with a couple hundred thousand dollars in three years that mm-hmm. I can put aside if I'm if I'm smart I can make more, but that's not a fair trade off because I signed a, a gar- I didn't sign a guaranteed deal. So See, say, go ahead. I think that 
it, the problem with the NFL is a couple of things. One, you look at the NBA and you have a marginal two-way player that's making $10 million a year. Marginal. Not even a star. Marginal. But in the NFL, it's completely different. It's it's a very one-sided scale where you have you have your upper echelon making millions and millions of dollars. And then you have a bunch. Because you, you think about a 53-man roster plus uh, the practice squad. There's a lot of people that's not making long money playing in the yeah. NFL. And the, the problem is that you have to divide. You have, let's say, your Aaron Rodgers saying, we need to put our foot down. Yeah, and and we need we need to stand up for our NFL players. We need to strike. We need, we need to make change. And the average the 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 average NFL player is looking at Aaron Rodgers saying, "Your money's already right. Mm-hmm. You can step aside. You can go on strike, and you'll be fine." Yeah. I'm still I'm getting paycheck to paycheck here. I can't do this. Let's keep balling. So I, I think that that's part of the problem is that that within their own unit, their own the the, the players' association. Mm-hmm. They may they need to fix some things as yeah. well. And 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 that the reason I picked the topic is what you just explained is the reason why people compare it to a slave plantation because that's what the slave owners did. I'm gonna give the house Negroes some some good um, some benefits and give some other slaves some good benefits, make it difficult for them to stand with the others out in the field because if I'm not getting beat. And I'm getting good food. It's hard for me to see turning against master and inspiring myself. So in this, it's kind of reversed. The top tier players, they're the ones who'll be more militant and like, oh yeah, let's step, let's step out. But the lower guys, the ones who, like Mike said, are on the, the practice squad, the ones who aren't on the even guaranteed contracts with no signing bonus, they're just signing a five hundred thousand dollar contract, mm-hmm. and it's, like you said, paycheck to paycheck, game to game. And they can cut you week to week. So even mm-hmm. even though you signed a five hundred thousand dollar deal, you might not get all of that money. And also, there's incentives. Like even though it's a five hundred thousand dollar deal, but it's a base salary. And then if you do you play this many games, you can make up the five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. That's why I can see a lot of people saying it's like a a slave plantation because of just the way they treat the players and the the the, the mind games they play. You know, you brought up a point that it just it just triggered with me though. That seventeenth game may be the difference between somebody getting a performance bonus or not. Mm-hmm. That seventeenth game, and there's going to be a lot of single season records that are going to be broken because yeah. they got they're adding in an extra game to, yeah. to pass. Game. Yeah. You may see somebody more people reaching a a two thousand yard rusher or breaking records for number of catches in a year. So it may have some positive. But then, then again, well, that is true because, like, like Uncle Bentley, Uncle B, a lot of players in football say it's not as physical. Even though phys- football still is a by nature a physical game, it's mm-hmm. not recklessly dangerous as let's say the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, where people <laughs> really. I saw some of those videos. I'm like, yo, you really trying to kill this dude, like? Yeah, I mean, you come up, you come across the middle against Jack Tatum, or George Atkinson. You yeah, know, I, I saw those highlights. I mean, I'm like, you're literally trying to take people's neck. Yeah. You're trying to break people's neck, but that was mm-hmm. a mentality. So now I can see where they, where receivers running across the middle will get more catches, probably pile up more yards. Mm-hmm. They can still get hit. Mm-hmm. But you still have a lot more dudes getting a lot more injuries because I think the difference is in the past, guys took the summers off. Guys, like you said, mm-hmm. Jack Hades, I'm like, they were drinking and smoking and barbecuing on the summer. And when the football season started back, mm-hmm. that was out of shape. But literally – 
it was better because they let their bodies get some rest. Mm-hmm. Whereas these guys, you hear them saying, oh, the season's over. I'm going to take a month off and I'm right back at it. Like, I understand with physical fitness, it's it's an, a year-round thing. But football mm-hmm. can't be a year-round thing, can it? Oh, definitely. You, you, have, you have to heal. You have to heal. So that's why mm-hmm. you, I think maybe like the, the owners are saying, okay, on the other side, add an extra game because we've had a lot of players get injured. A lot of players pull up with injuries because they're always working out. They always and guys are running routes like some of the the, the drills I see these guys do. That's yeah. why we see a lot of dudes blowing their knees. Back in the day, rarely did you hear a wide receiver say, "I'm blowing out my ACL." Like they they play. Jerry Rice didn't get a, a knee injury for a long time in his career, but now guys are coming out of the, the, the college football and they're blowing out knees. That really strange because I'm watching the drills and the footwork that they have to do to get in and out of breaks, and I'm like, that's a lot of pressure on your joints. When you played football, Micah and Pee Wee, no, was it Madden? When you played on Madden, oh wow, did you did you suffer injuries like that coming up? Okay, uh, <laughs> no. When I played, no, nah. I, I know he played. <laughs> no, nah, but I was on defense. To be fair, but uh-huh. no, nah, it definitely it's. Especially receivers, you know, coming out of breaks. Yeah. You know, that is very prevalent, especially nowadays. You know, they and a lot of these players are going, you know, full game speed on these one-on-one drills. And I'm like, you got to – why exactly? Why? They're being taught. They're being taught that way. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. see that, that's a good point right there. And I'll take a, a step back for real quick. Um Players in the 60s and 70s, they wasn't playing all year because you look at some of these guys, they was working at car dealerships in the offseason. They was offsetting those those weak contracts that they had back then. So, And that's true. That, that's for true, where they, these guys had part-time jobs or second jobs just to make yeah. ends meet in the offseason. But to your point, kids are starting at such a young age now mm-hmm. that their conditioning and every all the stress that they're putting on their bodies is insane. You look at baseball. And I'm a big baseball guy, but you hear about kids 13, 14, 15 years old having Tommy John surgery, or what? Yeah, Tommy John surgery for blowing out their, their shoulders and elbows and all of this stuff. It's crazy what, what these kids are doing now. His son's a pitcher, and he had he had Tommy John on his elbow, and he was like 15, wow. 16. He was throwing like 89, 90 miles per hour. And they were yeah. like, oh, he's got to get his, his arm up there to 100. But I'm like, he's only 16. Like, wow. But, you know, they're starting early. They're starting early. Like, when did you start playing football, Micah? Mm, I started a little later than my friends, probably about seventh grade. I probably about Seventh grade. And from there till about junior year. Did you play Uncle B? I played, yeah. I when played uh, wide receiver cornerback. When did you start? Ooh, I started uh, before high school. Okay, before so you're like TV league kind of that. What about yeah. you, Mike? I, so I played, but it, <laughs> I started real late because my mother, she forbade, she didn't yeah. allow me to. Yes. I came home with high school uh, jersey and some pads, and she's like, boy, where you get them from? You better take it back wherever you got it from. So I started real late. But to that point now, you see kids are starting later in football, mm-hmm. or football's not even having the numbers that they used to as, as yeah. kids because the, the fear of concussions and injuries and, and things like that, this it's a struggling sport because – Kids are going. They're migrating to other other options. Basketball. Basketball. Yeah, it's so competitive. Yeah. yeah, 
because I know I never played because I wanted to, but then I was like, man, I just don't trust people because in basketball, if they hit you from behind, it's a foul, but in football, it's encouraged. And I was like, I don't want people yeah. after my knees. So yeah, I knew yeah. my brother, he played for like one year and he played JV and he was like six foot two, six three, like 200 pounds. And he was like, guys were going after his knees because they weren't as big as him. So they were trying to take his knees out. And he was like, nah, no more. And I was like, if I had a kid, and this is not a question, but thinking about it now, like if I have a kid, do I want them to play football? Like in this mm. day and age, like I watch it and everything. But even when I watch football nowadays, every time I see somebody get hit and they flip up in the air and the guy takes his knees out, I'm thinking, yo, his leg's going to go spinning somewhere. And I'd be feeling for those dudes. Like I would never let my son play football. Like, and if he did, I don't know if I could go to the games and watch it with that kind of intensity to be like, oh, it's a great game because the whole time if he's on the field, I'm I'm going to be wondering like every hit, did, did, did is he hurt? Is he going to be okay? Because I see guys who are professional, they get hurt like that, and at least they have the money to fall back on to give them something. But now you're in high school and you've blown your knee out. Now your whole life has changed, and now you mm -hmm. have an injury from a sport that you never got to see to fruition you basically just played and blew your knee out for no reason so that's just my opinion that's why they should be paying college athletes Ooh. to play sports Ooh. But that's good mm. kind of but what what you what you think about that what like what's your you guys thoughts on that like paying college athletes me personally i'll be like it's kind of a i you know that, that, that that's a whole show that is a whole show you know, so many, there's so many different layers to that Okay. Uh, we all know college athletes that had no intentions on finishing a four-year degree. Then there's others that this is the only way that they're going to get a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. But you're right. This is a whole show. And I'm... What are you saying? I got to put a whole show together? I, you, you, mm -hmm. you know when you're ready because I got plenty of opinions that probably none of them mm -hmm. make sense. Oh, none of them? Okay. All right. So, so we'll save that. We'll save that one. So now let's move on to my favorite. I love football, but basketball is where my heart's at. Here we go. You know, it's Here we up. go. Here we go. Good. You yeah. put your ankle bracelets. Get ready. My Yeah, I got my ankle braces. I got my shooting sleeves on. <laughs> I got my breakaway on. I'm repping Clark Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? We ready. So my first thing is NBA trade deadline. Mm. Any moves that you saw, any signings that you've seen for your favorite team or any team in the league that you thought is a major move, Something you like, it's your, your mm. I'll tell you mine in a minute. Yeah, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead, because you're, you, you, you're a baller. I think the Nuggets made a really good move by getting yeah, Gordon. I was one of mine. Yeah, then you move, then you move Mills up, you know, to the bench, coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. Gordon is uh, athletic, young, uh, yep. what, 6'9, six, 6'10. Six, Denver's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Denver, yeah. Denver will be a problem. I saw the game the other night when he uh, his, was it against uh, Clippers or whoever. Yeah, it was against yeah, Clippers. Clippers. Mm -hmm. When he was in Orlando, he I didn't see defense from him like that. Yes. But that night he was guarding Kawhi. I was like, who is this Aaron Gordon? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he didn't do this in Orlando. He was locking Kawhi up, and I and I and I know what it is in Orlando. He was seen as the man. So he mm -hmm. couldn't get in foul trouble, and he felt I needed to score. On Denver, he's the fourth man, and in theory, it's 
It's Jokic, Jamal Murray, mm. um, Michael Porter, Michael Porter, and now him. So he and he accepted it. Was like, okay, I'm going to do this, but he still dropped like 18 points or something like that. I think that yeah, you're right. That move right there made Denver legitimate because now Michael Porter, like, he's hitting, like he's doing what he was doing in college because now he mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the Aaron Gordon guy. He doesn't have to play mm-hmm. the big wings. He's mm-hmm. shooting like 46 percent from threes mm-hmm. in the last month, and, and mm-hmm. like, I'm like 46 percent. He's shooting it so easy, six mm-hmm. ten. Long arms, sweet stroke, and now you got Aaron Gordon there, and they were playing off each other. Denver does look solid. What about mm-hmm. you? Uh, to add on, you know, to that Denver one, you know, they put Jokic at at the one. You know, they put him at point guard, yeah. and you, you know, you can mix that lineup, you know, however you want. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could put McGee as well too, and uh, Bol Bol, and Bol Bol is still on the bench. And it's like, you know, pick your poison. You know, I think they're they're gonna shock somebody in the first round, a big team. Wait, honestly. They're they're number six, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna move up though. Once they're they catch their stride. Yeah, they, once they get their stride, but it's gonna be the Western Conference playoff is going to be a battle. Because yeah. that team right there, because you got Jokic, Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Port Williams, and who's the fifth? Uh Will Barton. Will Barton. Barton, yeah. So you're coming up. You've got three dudes, six nine or bigger. And Jokic is running the point. So now that big man has to play as he's pulled them away from the, the basket. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, oh, ridiculous. What, any any thoughts, Mike? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Denver on that as well, as as the big winners, because you know it's man, you look you look at People are still talking about the East. All this, all this, all this talk about the East. The East going to do this. The East going to do that. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee ain't about that life. They went about that life last year. They still not about that life this year. And the Nets, I mean, they 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 made some moves, but it's still the big three. And then what else you got? Hey, like, and I, I we can talk about buyout too. But you look at Aldridge. He he. Come playoff time and those benches get shorter, uh-huh. he's 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 playing if the matchup says he's playing because otherwise he's a defensive liability. So um, I still think it's the West, and I, it's still the, the the championship. The road to the championship comes out of the West. Yeah, and 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 I I definitely agree. And and it, the funny thing is the West is what the East theoretically was during the nineties. The concentration of better players is is in the West now, you know. But as far as moves go, the Lakers made good move with um in the buyout market with getting um Drummond. Drummond, because yeah. everybody's like, well, they got Drummond. Well, does that make a difference? I'm like, LeBron and AD aren't there. So when you come back now, they have some semblance of what they had last year. AD is going to now just play the four, and he's got an athletic big man to do all the banging, the jumping. And he's going to play because Pop, um, not Powell, but Marcus All. He's not, he's not Marcus All of last year. You know, Memphis. No, he wasn't even Marcus All last year. Like, but at the same time, in Memphis, he was he he wasn't ever quick, but he was quicker. But he mm-hmm. passing down. But you can't have that guy as your main defender. You need mm-hmm. a guy rim protector. Plays defense. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. Paul is better as he is. He's going to be now coming off the bench with the second unit helping run the offense and at times playing with LeBron and AD where 
he, he can pass. He can pass. So they can they don't have to create shots. Mm -hmm. that, that yeah, but, um, and and me coming from from Cleveland Nation, I'm not sure that Drummond is that as big as a lift as people are saying because he's just an old school basketball player. He is dumping down to the post. He's Jamaican. And, <laughs> and, and he'll get you rebounds. But he's not a he's not a floor spacer. And in today's true. NBA, mm -hmm. you can't have him clogging up the lane because that's the only place that he can play. But yeah. But his his presence is more for rebounding and shot blocking. Because regardless of all the spreading of the court, somebody still has to get the ball. You know, somebody still has to grab a rebound. Somebody still has to block a shot. So AD is the floor spreader because now AD, you know, like Drummond, I mean, people say it's not like he's just stuck in the paint, like I can't go anywhere. And the offense calls for him to come out a little bit. He's going to come out. AD can go one-on-one. -on -one. They did it with Dwight and JaVale. None of those guys were ever accused of being a floor space. Mm -hmm. I think it was a great move in the sense that they have a shot blocker. They have an enforcer. They have a defender because they already have LeBron AD. Kyle Kuzma was playing good in the game the other night against Sacramento. He looked like he's the future for them. Like That's why he didn't leave. He was like, I got a couple more years of playing the background, and eventually I'm going to be a 30-point scorer. So I yeah. think Roman was a good signing. I think he's a good signing because he was short money. Yeah. But if I I'll tell you, this, like this, Mm -hmm. If you gave me the choice, I would have told him to, to keep one hour. I would have too. Yeah, I'm sure they would have signed a selected drummer if yeah. they had the yeah. choice. I, I think yeah. they're <clears throat> regretting that because Dwight Howard is only making like eight million in Philly, and I think mm -hmm. that's the same amount Marcus mm -hmm. Saul is getting. Anyways, they just thought Marcus Saul would be a f better fit with LeBron as far as initiating offense, where he doesn't have to create shots for everybody all the time. Now, somebody else, and which it's fine. That's what I, I expected. Marcus Saul was going to be that guy. You you could just get open and get a shot, but he's not. He, he he's not like they said. Somebody said he's like a a slow moving glacier. Who can pass? Yeah. Well, 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 let me let me chime in. I'm going to uh, disagree. I, honestly, well, I'm, I'm going back to the east. I'm going back to the east. Uh, with a healthy Kevin Durant, if Durant comes back healthy. Nobody's beating Brooklyn. You got three. You got three. Even in the West, you got three players that can get you a hundred points a game. Yep. Three. Okay. You just added although Aldrich and uh, mm -hmm. Blake is not in their prime. You still got uh, experience. You have you have some six ten veterans. You have uh, Jordan. Then mm -hmm. you have Joe Harris. I mean, Brooklyn is it's it, it, they set up. I mean, if they play their cards right, uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn is set up, man. I mean, it's going to be hard to beat Brooklyn. Philly doesn't have enough offensive power to, to play and with Brooklyn if everybody comes back healthy. And that's the thing. We know in the regular season, this is this time and time, the top offensive team, because I remember one point Phoenix was that team. The only team that really defied the odds was Golden State being a top offense mm -hmm. because they actually played defense. With Brooklyn, my biggest fear is, yeah, it's the defense. regular season, but when the playoffs come, you're going to get exposed on the defensive end. And they're going to pick on Kyrie. Yeah, yeah, true. But like as Mike was saying, like the Bucks. Mm -hmm. Please don't mention Milwaukee. Milwaukee is not ready for prime time, right? I, I, don't, so, I don't see them either. I love Giannis. Yeah. I love the team, but I know, like in all honesty, they're not. There's something about them that's like 
what they say, like, was the movie where he's like, his curl just didn't curl yeah. enough? Oh, that's Cedric. Cedric and Yeah. Curl enough. Like, there's something yeah. about them because their offense, yeah. especially Giannis, it's like, you know what you can do. Your game is run down full speed, Euro step, get around. And exactly. when he, gets, he reverts back to just bully ball. And in the play, exactly. your game and your skill has to be so robust that you can anything they throw at you, you can take. And I think Brooklyn being a top offense, because that's what everybody is talking about, the offense. But in the playoffs, we all know teams get to play you every other day. Whereas in the regular season, they catch it. You, you come in, Brooklyn's feeling good. You might not have had a bad a good day. Next thing you know, they run you off the court. But in the playoffs, they get time to see you and mm -hmm. build plans. So even though, yeah, you got three 30-point scorers, I just don't trust the other guys. Regardless if it's Blake, Aldridge, because throughout their careers, they've mm -hmm. come up short and they've played terrible in the playoffs. So how mm -hmm. can I all of a sudden now feel like I can depend on those dudes who, when they were in charge, didn't have a good showing? It's one thing mm -hmm. if you had a good showing and then your team still lost. It's when mm -hmm. in the playoffs that you have bad showings. I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think Philly has enough offensive power. They don't. Uh, they, I mean, Embiid can be very problematic. But uh, I just think Brooklyn, if they play together and get their head right, I mean, I don't think anybody can beat Brooklyn. But that's what we said about the Clippers last year. No, true, true. Well, it was internal no, yeah. but it's the same friction. Yeah, but played together. They didn't play together. Mm -hmm. And the same mm -hmm. thing. KD hasn't played all year. Mm -hmm. Here's a problem that teams gonna have with the Nets because KD can get his his thirty, Kyrie can get his thirty, yeah. and Harden can get his thirty. And so the problem is is are if you're playing them, how much energy are you going to have to put out to make it uncomfortable? For them to get that 30 because they're going to get it anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're either going to burn your calories on the defensive side of the floor or you're going to have to try to match them tick for tat on the offensive side of the floor. And if you don't have the horses to match those 30, 30, 30s, then you're, you're in for a long day either way. So I think that, that the and Nets are, are still – they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem. They, they may be their own biggest problem, but yeah. they're going to be a problem for yeah. somebody. And, like, Michael, mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that's what, what Mike presented right there is. Yeah, when the playoffs come, right now, Kyrie, everybody's throwing passes, scoring. And everybody, the team players are hitting shots because it's the regular season. But when the playoffs come, when the playoffs come, excuse me, it's the, those three guys aren't going to be passing as much. They're going to – so if I'm any team in the league, I'm going to play them tough. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make the other guys make the shots and see how much they, they transferred from the regular season into the playoffs. So in my expectation now – you're going to get the best shot from the best players on the other teams as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you were running and freewheeling in the regular season, but James Harden was on the number one scoring team in Houston. And when the playoffs came, people were keeping They were people were, because they were attacking them now. They're like, okay, you guys want to score? We're just going to slow the game down. So when you score, we're just going to dribble the ball up the court and mm -hmm. we're going to run our offense. And it's mm -hmm. an age-old um, um, plan. Mm -hmm. Top team. In the regular season, when the playoffs come, every other team just becomes more deliberate. What you think, Micah? Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the court shortens, you yeah. know, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. and I, I'm seeing a lot of, right now, zone more than I have ever seen it, you yep. know. And 
with the nets, you can't do that. You know, they'll break that down easily, mm-hmm. you know, with shooting and um, mm-hmm. and pick and rolls and things like that. And Kyrie, you know, I see him and James Harden run pick and rolls now. They just run a two-man game with each other. And that, That's good. how do you stop that? Mm-hmm. Because you got to stay. You got to stay with Kyrie. And it's not like you're running a pick and roll with the center. Like, it's James Harden. So it's either he's going to roll to the three and then get a secondary pick and roll now with KD. Mm-hmm. And now with Blake, it's like, mm-hmm. once I come off that pick, you know, if the next defender helps, I can just throw it to the rim, you yeah. know, and Blake's right there. Yeah, and but that's the thing. My thing is, they're going to do well in the first rounds of the playoffs and whatnot. But when they get to the better teams, they, a lot of the better teams have enough firepower to keep up with them. It's now, are you going to be willing to play defense? Because mm-hmm. they're going to play who in the first round? They might play the Hawks or somebody like that. And they'll, yeah, don't don't look up. The Hawks, yeah, they're in the playoffs. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're not going to yeah. go farther than okay. the first right. round. What do you think? Do you think they're going to make a run somewhere? If we have Brooklyn, no shot. No shot. I'm, gonna be, I'm, I'm a realist. But Brooklyn or Milwaukee? Four or five? Four or five? Oh, Philly, because right now, no, no. What's the name? I saw the Hawks were like six or seven. Mm-hmm. So you would get Philadelphia. Nah. You don't think so? Yeah, guys, you guys. Are I don't I don't trust their bench. Our bench is way oh, deeper. Philly or, or the Hawks? Philly, I don't trust their bench. But in the playoffs, the bench gets short. But you're going to have different options. You're going to need different shooters. You know, they're not going to shoot with Thibault and Danny Green's not consistent. He's there for defense. Yeah, but that, but who on the Hawks are consistent? If they were consistent, they wouldn't be in sixth place. I guess that was coaching. Oh, now you play Nate McMillan. Yeah, Nate McMillan. No, nah, they played good at first. They've lost their last four. Uh, injuries. <laughs> Trey's been out. Nah, injuries. That team lives and dies with Trey. That's that's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. If you can get him to stop shooting from half court and taking thirty-seven shots in a row, mm-hmm. he might be all right. He's, he might be all right. Yeah. No yep. team with your best player being six foot and under yeah. has That's ever tough. won anything. I mean, you say Isaiah, but he yeah. wasn't only he was the he's a he was the he's leader. a bench guy now. They but consider him a bench guy. Who? No, oh yeah, Isaiah. Isaiah? No, no, I'm talking about the real one. The real one. The real one. I mean, Isaiah IT too was named after it was he his dad lost a bet, so he had to name him Isaiah That's Tom. right. But you know what? I have a question for y'all. I'm, I'm sorry. Let's go ahead. No, I was, I, was, I was going to ask. That's why I don't have confidence in the Jazz. Me too. Mm. I was going yeah. to get them next. Like they just like last year, they blew a lead to to Denver. Mm-hmm. This year, they have a good year, and now everybody's like, "Well, they should be the favorite." But to me, just because you have the best record in the regular season means no, never mind. Because that's the regular season. You're supposed to do that. But I've seen you in the past cake up and blow things and not show up. So I'm not going to say just because you're, you're, you're the favorite, you're under, you're unbeatable because when the playoffs come, that's when the true superstars really shine. That's when the guys who like, okay, now it's for the money. It's a different level. You got to take yourself up. That's why when people say Michael Jordan and all these things, Mike, even though he was scoring 30 in the, in the regular season, 36, 37 in the playoffs. And then by round, it went up. Same thing with LeBron. Like, he might be scoring 26 now, and everybody knows he's lost his step. Playoff come, he's leading everybody in every category. The, the, the cream rises to the top, and they know. And I don't see – because 
my my thing with the Jazz is the way they walk around when they win. It's like we've been doing this. Like, nah, bro, you just blew a feed to Denver last year in the bubble. So there's no need to be walking around with your chest out like everybody should be looking at you and how basketball is played. I just mm-hmm. don't believe in them because they this is their first year of ever being that good. You've always been the number six, seven seed, and out of the blue, you're number one seed, and I'm supposed to believe you are the best team because your record has you number one. No. The Jazz, they fall in line, not with the they're more like the Bucks to me, like you said, Uncle. The Bucks. Portland. Portland is a scary team. It can be scary. Portland can Portland be scary. scary. Portland is very scary yeah. because now you got CJ back. But, you know, the knock on them is it's Dame and CJ. They're going to give you offense. But in the playoffs, when you look, you looked at the bubble last year, like I I looked at all the, the, the games against LeBron and them, they had that one good game. And then after that, yeah, it was a high. Like Dame and CJ don't play a lot of defense. Like I'm going to be honest with you. I watch the games. They're great offense. Don't play defense. Melo's Mello's going to give you a good 15-16. I can depend on Melo. But the rest of the guys, but they have picked up. Who'd they pick up? Um, Nurkic. Uh, uh, the guy Powell. from t- Toronto, yeah, Powell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got Powell. They, they went and got Norm Powell because they wanted somebody else because Dame and CJ, like all the money, all the shots that Dame makes and all that stuff, they don't. he don't really have he's not top 15 in assists. So it's like, you got to have other players. You ha- they have a lot of guys who can get their shot. So I think Norman Powell is one of those guys. Like, we can give him the ball and he'll get his shot because that's how the Portland offense seems to be run. It's like Damon, CJ, pick and roll. And when that when that breaks down, it's one and one, get to the rule. Got and Enos Cantor down there to grab rebounds. Mm-hmm. Going to get Nurkic back. So you got somebody who's going to grab the rebound. So that's what makes them dangerous is the fact that they have prolific scorers and then they have some guys who will do the dirty work. So Portland is another one. Uh, who else? The Lakers. Clippers, on the other hand, that's a team right there. Like, I have no faith. I don't know. I have no feeling with them. Either. Playoff P. Really? Playoff P? Like, he gave himself nothing. Pandemic P. You ain't <laughs> not supposed to give yourself nothing. <laughs> You're not supposed to. They, they got to give that to you. I yeah. tell you what, though. I do kind of like that Rondo signing, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. That man hasn't played a a regular season game in at least four or five years. But when the playoff starts, he's a different player altogether. You know what? The Lakers do not win that series. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The Lakers have a harder time winning that series last year without Rondo. They would have won, but Rondo gave them that extra push. And that's my Mm -hmm. thing. Like everybody's saying, oh, he's so great. But I was like, just last year, you guys said it was the worst thing, and nobody believed in Rondo. The Lakers were like, no, he's going to be good. And everybody was like, no. And then when he's like, they're like, now all of a sudden he's the hot commodity. He goes, mm-hmm. I, I think he gained the system. Oh, he's he's continuing to gain the system. Like, Atlanta. He was in, I forgot he was in Atlanta. He, signed yeah. Atlanta he was. He could have just signed with the Clippers. They had uh, the money with him. He, he was like, no, I'm going to go to Atlanta, get this easy money. I'm not going to play a single game. And when the trade deadline comes, I'm going to get traded back to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit out there for a little bit. When the playoff comes, I'm going to play, and I'm going to play well. Mm-hmm. He really did the same thing with the Lakers. Yep. And literally, mm-hmm. he did the same thing with the Lakers. He's learned, I don't have to play the regular season. I just need to play enough of it to get ready for the playoffs if the team that I'm on is in the playoffs. And, and I will say he's an upgrade. The, the playoff rondo is an upgrade against 
from Lou Williams and or Patrick Beverly. They were never point mm-hmm. guards. They were just short. Right. Let's be honest. Lemon right. Pepper, Lemon Pepper was just like he was Lou Williams. He's always been Lou Williams. He, he was mm-hmm. he, he's a dope scorer, all that, but he's never been like I'm going to be the guy that makes the team better in a way. Like he got the hype with the Clippers, but you notice what happened. It's the same thing that always happens when the spotlight gets put on teams. Like when there was no expectation in them, him and Patrick Every Beverly, they all loved them. They were taking the league by storm. But then when expectation was thrust upon them, all of a sudden Lou Williams was hitting all these shots. Now all of a sudden missing. He don't play no defense. First of all, we knew Lou never played defense. I don't know how you get in the league and never play defense. Like they picked on him. And Patrick Beverly, like, yeah, he plays good defense, theoretically, but people drop numbers on him. And but he he's not a point guard. He's a defender, basically. Mm-hmm. So the it's like, yeah, you got Rondo, but who else do you have? Like, it's and like Paul, let's play off Pete, Paul George. Like, until you do something, I don't believe in you. And Kawhi, you can say, like I've always said, like, he won an MVP of a final scoring like 14 points. The reason he scored, he won it, was the same reason Andre Iguodala won it. Why is that? Why did Andre Iguodala mm-hmm. win it when, when the uh, Golden State Warriors won the, the championship? Why did Andre Iguodala become the MVP of the finals? Because he made life a little difficult for LeBron, still averaged 36 a game. Kawhi Leonard, same thing. He was dropping 14, but when he played LeBron, LeBron shot 10 percentage points lower, so he got the MVP. So that, to me, is like he's living off of things that he really didn't do. He went to Toronto, and all he had to do was just score. Kyle Lowry was a leader. They had all these players. The, um, Serge Ibaka was already there. They had um, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet. And then they got very lucky that Kevin Durant blew his Achilles out and then Klay Thompson blew his ACL. So, and then when people say, oh, he's a two-time champion, by default. By default. Kawhi is um, probably one of the best number two in the league. Uh, You can't depend on him to be a number one and then put a good, put a two with him. You need, for him to succeed and, and really, Toronto was the outlier probably in his in his scenario, but he is, if he has someone like a KD alongside with him, or a LeBron, and he, and he rejects that. He wants to be his own man, but I don't think that he can lead a team to He's a championship. Not, not on his own. Personality, the leaders of teams have a personality that brings people in. Mm-hmm. Like, time, I don't care. Even if people say Tim Duncan was quiet. Tim Duncan was quiet to us. But yeah, Arthur, he was a leader. Yeah. Gregarious, he was, you know, he was joking around, he partied with them. To us, he was just quiet and boring. Mm-hmm. But to them, they gravitated to him. Kawhi yeah. was quiet. He's 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 not a leader in that sense. So that's why they have the problems that they're having now. And that's why I'm like, I don't see them really doing that well in the playoffs because, like you said, like he's a number two theoretically, and Paul George is a two. You gotta bring Rondo in to run the team. <laughs> <laughs> Rondo didn't run the team in in L.A. He just when he was on the court, they were like, "All right, we'll we'll follow him." He wasn't the leader, so if you got to bring Rondo in to get your two best players together to run the offense and the team be better, you got you got problems. You got problems. Well, it's better than what they had. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh yeah, Dallas Sterling. 
Man, no, I, no, no, I'm just saying better than Pat Beverly and Luke Williams trying to get them into an offense. Oh, uh, Luke Williams? Oh, Luke, yeah, because it was just pick and roll. And even now, you look at Montrez, they lost Montrez to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And nobody was like, but you look at Montrez, how he's playing for the Lakers. Like, all of a sudden now, he's got post moves, he's shooting jumpers. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, they only played one way that year. They were just like, let's go to the rim, let's do this. And, but now with the LA, with the Lakers, all of a sudden now, you're like, he's got a hook shot? He's shooting just now. <laughs> like, his spin move is ridiculous. That baseline spin move. Yeah. Dude's, the dude's That's arm. Good. His dude's arms is crazy because a lot of times I'm like, yo, he ain't gonna dunk that. And then mm-hmm. he, he dunk on somebody, and then you look at his arms and just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, that that's that. But I think the Lakers are the favorite once they get healthy in the West. I don't care about Utah. I'm not really. I don't really believe in the Clippers. I believe once the pressure's back on them again, mm-hmm. the that they have on that team, none of them, besides Kawhi, had any success. And Kawhi was not the creator of the success. He was just, he elevated the success. Toronto was already a great team. The, 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 the San Antonio Spurs had the big three, all Hall of Famers. They were, they were at a different point in their careers, but he wasn't the leader of that team. So to give him credit for championships because he won them, like he's the reason he's going to take your team over the top, I don't believe in that. I think they'll just be who they are all the time. They'll do good in the regular season, playoff come, and it's it's going to be more of the same. Paul George is going to hit the side of the backboard, the top of the backboard. And <laughs> you ain't right. He's going to blame the coach. Like he blamed Doc Rivers, and the same, they keep blowing leads in the fourth quarter. They'll be up 16. They don't know how to handle prosperity because the players aren't those type of players. But I think that you should be cautiously optimistic about your Lakers because I Lakers. at some point in time, like LeBron. So at some point in time, LeBron has got to slow down. It might not be this year, but it could be this year. Oh. And AD is fragile. AD is not the healthiest specimen in the world. And Andre Drum- Drummond is still looking for his toenails. So you, you need to be a little cautiously optimistic about those Lakers. But, watch, out for, watch out for those nuggets, man. Watch that, out for those nuggets. The nuggets. nuggets. In the West, the Nuggets is who I'm – if the Lakers play them, I'm scared of Nuggets. Everybody uh-huh. else in the West? But 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 listen, t- uh, the, the Clippers, for some reason, they play the Lakers really, really good. Yeah. So that's a bad matchup. But, you know, that, that series can go either way. But, but yeah, the thing watch is, out for the Nuggets. Well, but the, 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 the equalizer – not even the equalizer. The advantage that the Lakers have is that they have AD. They did. That's why, why don't play defense? Let's be honest. He don't play defense like he's. Everybody keeps acting like he does. He doesn't play defense anymore like that. If you see him move, doesn't move that well. Like he looks stiff. Like when he runs, people are taking him off the dribble. So even if let's say him and LeBron is a wash, right? Let's say who else? Rondo and and who else? Rondo and Dennis Schroeder. I'll give Dennis Schroeder the advantage, right? Shooting guard case. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna go Rondo in the playoff series. But I'm, yeah, look, I'm looking at a smart basketball player. Exactly. He's a smart basketball But it's it's, it's I mean, match. Like Rondo's, a, he's gonna get, but Dennis Schroeder can get the hole too, just the same. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I mean, I mean AD, AD is the factor. I mean, he's the factor. There's AD, nobody yeah. the Clippers who can stop AD because the guy who they had. He's on their team. He's on AD's team now. It was Montrezl Harrell. So besides that, like LeBron and um, Kawhi is a wash. 
Paul George and I, I, I put him. No, I, Paul I, George I, and himself is a wash. Yeah, he's, good, still, yeah. I'm you, he's still living off of that one dunk on Chris Anderson. Oh man, with the Pacers and everybody said he had arrived. They still living off of that. And he hasn't done anything since. So let, let me ask you a question: Is AD as clutch as you you make him out to be? I'm not saying clutch. Like clutch is a different because yeah, AD has has failed to show up on a few occasions. But and I don't I'm sure if he's a number one to lead a team. But he's not a number one, I'm saying. LeBron is the clear cut leader, but A D is the is the talent that the Clippers can't match. Like who are you gonna put on him? Marquise Morris? Marquise? Who is it Marcus? I don't know. I see A D not show up on his own. Regardless of who you are now, well, I well, let's just all things aside. I mean, I mean, you you, you switch a Baca and, and let the Baca guard. Right, uh, but Baca, Baca ain't even a Baca of old. Yeah. He's always yeah. injured, like yeah, foul trouble. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and he foul trouble too because now that he's older, he's trying to block everything and he's catching. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I look at the Lakers as just having that advantage because when they bring their two best players back, LeBron has proven that when the playoffs come, he's not. You just let him be. It's everybody else has got to follow. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I'm saying. It's like in the West, it's the Lakers for me and Denver are the favorites. And the the, the dark horses are probably the Portland Trailblazers. They're scared. And then everybody else. Oh, and the Mavericks. I forgot about the Mavericks. But yes. the, Ma- the Mavericks. Can and JJ Reddick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that pickup was good. Mm-hmm. Pickup. That was... the, thing, the thing with the Mavericks is their style of play that I, I – yeah, I agree. Like what they did to the when they had the Clippers on the ropes, and then when it came down to it, their defense that is their effort. their effort on defense because their key players, your best players in the playoffs, they have to set the defensive tone. That's why some people still believe in the Clippers because of Kawhi mm-hmm. and PG and Beverly and Zingas, Like they're not defensive solvers, so they'll 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 have a good offensive game. But if the offense isn't hitting, they're not locking anybody down. So your best players are your worst defensive option. So Denver, they're they're not a dark horse, but they can cause trouble if they get hot. You know what I'm saying? They got some good pieces there. Yeah, they picked up J.J. Reddick. I don't know how much that, but that's more of the same. Like, you got a shooter. but You know what I'm saying? But, again, it's not a, in the playoffs. It's about defense, too. It's not just offense. Like, in the playoffs, you have to play defense. In the regular season, you could just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. In the playoffs, have to play defense because the other team couldn't play defense. <laughs> okay. Next, let's let's move on. We've been going through. We've hit a lot of things in basketball. Teams, let's talk about this. Mike brought it up earlier. This whole buyout market thing. I heard a lot of people complaining like, oh, it's unfair that the, 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 um, the, the Nets were able to get LaMarcus Aldridge and this and um, Blake Griffin. My answer to that is the same thing Blake Griffin said. You thought he was sorry a year and a half ago. Matter of fact, this season, people were like, Blake Griffin is sorry. He hasn't dunked in two years. So what? how is it unfair? This rule, I know this buyout market thing has been there for a long time. These, these, this, this happened last year. It happened many years. People said the same thing when LeBron got Jordan Clarkson and all those people on the bottom. Like, it's nothing new. I think it's just because it's the Nets and people are like, well, you got – Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, like it's a rule that's there. Like other teams could have picked them up or traded for them, and they decided they didn't want to. So 
if you don't want to trade for him and the other team doesn't want him, if I buy him out and he, he says, I want to go here, why all, all of a sudden the complaints? What do you think, Martha? Uh I think, you know, LeBron, you know, he used, you know, showing players that they have power, you know, they're, I, it's, they're using it. You know, mm-hmm. it's I'm going to use and control my own outcome. And I feel like a lot of times a lot of vets are saying, you know, I've done my time in the league. I want to win now. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a rule that they have in place. And it was it was put there for the small market, right? But Detroit, you had them. You could have done things to work with them, got better players. You couldn't use them, so you let him go. You bought him out of his contract, which is your right to do. And his right to sign with whoever he wants the rest of the year. So I don't see how it's unfair. Like, he was there to be traded for. So was Drummond. So was LaMarcus Aldridge. So was all these players. They were, they were like, who said he said, um, nobody said anything when, uh, what's his name, uh, from the Charlotte Hornets got bought out. The, uh, mm-hmm. And he he's down in, um, oh, man, where did he end up at? Oh, you talking about uh, Batum? Yeah, like Batum, had, had, not Batum. This is, um, uh, what is his name? I forget his name. Not African guy, center. Like Banger or something like that. He got bought out. Bismarck Biyombo. He got bought out, and he went somewhere. Nobody complained about Bismarck Biyombo, but you're complaining about Lamarcus Aldridge and them going to to the Nets. But that's what the buyout market is for. It's for the veteran guy who's like, listen, I'm on a team that's going nowhere. You guys want to build for the future. I'm not doing anything. Can buy me out of my contract. It's been there for years. I've always that's that's been a topic of conversation for years. I don't understand why this year because it's the Nets. That everybody's all up in arms. Go ahead, Mike. It's a problem that I have with it, and it, it doesn't have any, and it has nothing to do with the players, right? They have, they can, they can choose where they want to go. They've earned the right, and I, and I get all that. But is it good for basketball? Is it good for the sport? Is it good for entertainment? Like, if so, you stack two teams. You stack the Lakers, or let's say three teams. You stack the Lakers. You stack Denver. You stack, you stack the Nets. For, as I said earlier in the show. Their product is entertainment. Yeah. Right? What they're producing is entertainment. Regardless of, of championships, wins, losses, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. So if you always, if you have everybody flooding to just a few teams, mm-hmm. there is no theater there. There is no, you might as well, just like I say all the time, you went to fast forward. Fast forward through the regular season because we know where we're going to end up with it when the finals come. But then, there's then, very little drama there. There's very, there's, and if if you outside of, of a handful of markets, mm-hmm. like, like for example, let's say that this was a few years ago in the buyout market, and there's Cleveland sitting there with LeBron, with even Kyrie, yeah. with K Love. How many people are running to after they leave, when they're in the buyout market going to Cleveland? <laughs> How many people going to Cleveland? Not many. No. Even if they had the cash to pay for it. So if you, unless you're in a handful of markets. You're looking at this and saying this isn't fair. But the thing I is, the rule was implemented by the owners. The players didn't they didn't want they didn't bring up this rule up. The owners wanted this rule because they figured that it's a way for the small market team to get players from other teams. But realistically, how many of those small markets are, are, are attracting these teams? Right, but that's the thing. Players. They 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 underestimated the money. They, these guys don't care about the money. It's like that's right. I, I want to live somewhere I like to live. I don't want to go to Cleveland. 
But like to what you said, Mike, it's always been a couple teams. I mean, but is it good for basketball? Though? Is it good? is it good for? So if you live in a big market, then it's good for you because your team has a chance every year. That's who's won all the championships. The only team that was a small market that won a championship the last twenty years would be considered what San Antonio. Like all the championships have been won by Chicago, okay, Houston, uh, the Celtics, Boston. and Lakers. Lakers, Philly. I mean, the Lakers had superstars sitting on their bench when Kareem and them was playing. Like, oh man, they were loaded. Like, they, they, you look at that photo. I seen action photos of games, and it looked like they had Gail Goodridge, all these people sitting on the Bob, bench. Bob McAdoo, Bob McAdoo sitting there, and you're like. They, he sat bench and they were on the same thing. So it's always been like this. I just think it's more amplified because the storylines, we have to go through it all year. Back in the day, the Lakers were always the best team in the West. I just think you need to be careful because, um, and that's why the NFL catapulted to being one of the, the, the if not the top sport, top two sports in, in, in the country is because of parity. It's because mm-hmm. everybody had a rooting chance. Mm-hmm. And and you look at you look at the number of, outside of the Patriots outside of the Patriots. I mean, we were terrible for many years. We were terrible mm-hmm. for many years. Yeah, but parity is what makes it such a, an interesting and and that parity. So here's the thing. Here's a here's a here's a thing to look at. You look at baseball. How many baseball games are, are you going to watch? Let's say let's say that on TV right now, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cubs come up and play. You going to watch that game? Two teams that you have more business that you have no desire to root for. You gonna watch it? Maybe if there's if nothing else on. But and, and you look at the NBA. Not everybody's watching every single team play every single night. NFL is one of the few sports where you will tune in and watch two teams that you have no rooting interest in and still watch that game. The point. I mean, and that's what you. That's the risk that you run with the NBA. If you keep building these super teams. Then people are going to be less likely to tune in on a Tuesday but, night to watch two teams. But, but in football, I still like. I'm not going to watch Jacksonville play Miami. I'm not going to watch Arizona play, let's say, the Chargers. I'm not mm. going to watch the Buffalo Bills or Monday the Monday Night Football. You would, huh? Monday Night Football. You, you may watch it Thursday not Night Football. That speaks to you as a football fan, though. No, no, what I'm saying is what makes you watch the game is if the teams are good. Like, right, exactly, exactly. So you got 30 teams in the in the, in the NBA and you only got a handful of them that are truly good with all the star power. But in the NFL, the Patriots ran their, their division for years. The NFC, what is it, East with the Redskins. It's always just been Philly and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Always been that way, and every once in a while, one of the other teams will pop up for a little bit. They'll go back into mediocrity. Like mm-hmm. there is, it's the same thing. It's just because we have these rivalries that we tune in. But theoretically, we know that the Eagles were terrible after Donovan McNabb left for a while. <laughs> you know, the Cowboys been horrible for years, but because of Tony Roman and um, Jerry Jones' marketing's genius, made them relevant. They, they've been a 500 team for the last decade and a half. <laughs> in football, there's, I, I, the 49ers were terrible for a while because it's the same thing. Once they get good players, then I'll tune in to watch because it's going to be a good game. You so, so your question, these, these small market in the NFL, 
are they are they having a harder time signing free agents than than you see in the NBA? No, because in the NFL, like we said, because of the way it's structured with the contracts, there's a finite amount of money to go around. So a lot of dudes, will, like you see Reggie White and them sign with, with Green Bay. Why? Yeah, they had Brett Favre, but they had the cap room to sign him the money he wanted. You know? So in the NFL, it's all about they'll go play places because they're only going to be there like for 12, a couple weeks out of the year. I'm going to let everybody else talk, but I just don't think it's, it's – it's good for the sport when you have stacked teams because there's 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 really no reason for me to tune in. I love basketball. Love basketball. Love watching basketball. Yeah. I, so I rather watch the drama of the Final Four than any average NBA regular season game. The Final Four, college basketball, the most stacked of all the teams and all the sports where they get to recruit the best players on their teams to play. That's not true. Hey, that's not true. So this is the first time in 30 years that you haven't seen a, a team from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Because what happened, like here's, here's my, my thing, because college basketball was on, on my, uh, my list about uh, of conversation today. My thing with college basketball is the players have learned now you don't have to go to North Carolina to make it to the league because back in the day, these, you know, you go to the Big East, play with the Georgetown. Those are the teams that were the sexy teams that got you notoriety and got you some pub, got you some buzz so you can go to the league. Now, you could go to Gonzaga. You could go to North Dakota State. As long as you're good and you, you get some pub, now you don't have to. And they're learning. If I go to Kentucky, I'm one of seven top-tier players. How much time can I get to develop? And you look at those teams – they're stacked. When Duke won all those championships, when North Carolina won it, they, they had recruiting class. They would say, who had the best recruiting class is, is a stack. So they're stacked. They have the best players all concentrated on one team. That's, I mean, if there's ever a, a, a situation where you say the teams are stacked, it's college basketball, college athletics, period. You get to recruit. If I go, if John Calipari comes to my house, for my, for go to my brother D's house for my nephew in, in another six years, shout out to Big G doing his thing over there. We're going to get to that at the end of the show. Oh, they hurt somebody. They hurt somebody. But anyway. So LeBron didn't recruit Andre Drummond. But I'm like, yes. He recruited. Yes, he did. And, and Aldridge was not all their yes. But it's been happening before they got to the NBA. The thing is, the guys in the past didn't think about it because they were under the assumption, oh, the GM does that. But when they, when you realize the GM is a bum and he's 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 looking to save his job and he's Jerry Reinsdorf and breaks up the Bulls before Michael Jordan can, can finish his career because of money, then you start, you start having to think like, yo, these dudes aren't here for basketball. They're here for business. You know what I'm saying? So college basketball is the stack of all stack. That's all I'm saying. So if you're, if you're fast-forward in the NBA, you got to just TiVo college basketball and we'll watch it later. <laughs> what do you think, Micah? Because you play, you play ball. You play basketball. Imagine yeah. you, your school, you have, you're, you're at Morrow High. Didn't they recruit players? Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. the problem, you know, in, in the South is a lot of players move. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, um, I had a friend, he moved to, um, I think, I believe Union Grove is the high school. Yeah. And he went to Georgia. 
because he had more pub that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and a lot of times, a lot of players are recruiting each other. Yeah, like I think about uh, back with the Fab Five; those guys knew each other mm-hmm. as kids. Oh, yeah, and they decided we're going to go to Michigan, and everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. But now and, it's yeah. a bad thing. I, it's I guess it's because the nostalgia has worn off. You're like, oh wait, we can't continually do this. But I'm just <laughs> NBA 2K, like I do. When I get there, I'm like, let me go get this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I ain't trying to watch you play video games on TV every night. <laughs> I ain't trying to watch NBA 2K. Thank you. That's what it is. It's it's video game on TV because now once you involve all the analytics and all that, what do you think is going to happen? If you're going to be judging guys based on the fact that they don't score this much, they don't do that, and you're telling them that their career isn't worth anything unless they win a championship, what do you think the outcome is going to be? These guys are going to be like, I'm not going to be talked about badly the rest of my career. Same thing that happened with Westbrook and Stephen A. Smith. Stephen, he dropped a triple-double, and Stephen A. Smith basically poo-poos it and says, so? He ain't won no championship. But you're like, wait a minute. I'm here to play basketball, and I'm playing it at a high level, and now you're telling me, basically, at the end of my career, I wasted my time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm a player, and I'm like, yo, I put my heart and soul into a team sport. I did my best, and I tried to bring my players, and I just didn't have the best players around me to compete. Like any other team from any other era, now you're telling me my career is worth nothing. All the stats I did mean nothing. When you're you're celebrating guys before me for the same thing. Oscar Robinson won one championship, and we celebrated. Mm. And we really, Kareem won that championship, because when Kareem left, he didn't win another. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying from that standpoint, it's like, you, this is what's going to happen inevitably. Once you start telling people their legacy is determined by something that they have no control over, they're going to try to take control of it. Right, Uncle B? Like, if somebody told you today that you you weren't going to be a PhD uh, because, oh, you got good grades in high school, you got good grades at Southern University, the, 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 the greatest college by the river, you know what I'm saying? Would you, would you be like, no, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get my PhD, and I'm going to show you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you can get into your own hands. That's all I'm saying. Once you start changing the narrative and you're telling people that their, their careers are worth nothing unless they do this, how else am I going to do it? I'm not going to depend on the GM to do it because I don't trust his judgment. He's going to pick players that he feels are good, but I can look at this dude and tell you he's terrible. Huh, Mike? But I so, so you brought it back to me, so I, I was going to say, be quiet. What? I'm going to ask you the same question that I've said a few times now. What so Ford Motor Product? What what does Ford create? What do they make? They make cars, right? What's NBA and sports? What is their product? What do they produce? They produce entertainment. Entertainment. It isn't about so these are two very different topics. We're talking so I agree that the players have the right to go wherever they want, and I absolutely agree with you because they make so much money. The only thing that, that motivates them now, if they've got all the money that they're ever going to need and they have general generational wealth mm-hmm. and they're going to chase championships. I get all of that. But for the end user, the fan, mm-hmm. is that good for the sport? Is it good yeah. for entertainment? That's my question. That's my point. I mean, it's always been this way though. Like I, I, I don't remember, like I watched basketball. I when before it was on, NBA League Pass and TNT and everything at ESPN all week long, 
I remember watching the games on Sunday, and I would see the Knicks versus the Bulls, but I didn't see the Knicks versus, you know what I'm saying, like the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, you know what I'm saying? It hasn't always been that way because there hasn't been the ability to build super teams outside of free agency. It wasn't until... Free agency has always been there. It's just the player's mentality because nobody defined their careers a championship up until when Jordan started winning championships. And they started, They, I'm going to be honest, they started that with Michael Jordan. Because once he came in the league and, and started just running through everybody and running through Larry Bird and, and scoring all these points, everybody was like, wait a minute. Is he really better than Larry? Is he really better than Magic? And then they started this whole thing. No, he ain't. Magic has... Three championships, four championships. Larry Bird has this. It started with Jordan. I'm going to give him that. Because before that, nobody got criticized like that. Jordan was the first one who got criticized for not winning championships because he was so good individually. And then from that, that became the narrative for everybody. So once you start scoring points and being good, the first thing they do is they don't mean nothing until he wins a championship, which you didn't control. Michael Jordan didn't control that the fact that Xavier McDaniel was his, his small forward. When he played with the Bucks, and he who was the center, Dave Corzine. Dave Corzine. was the power forward, and Charles Oakley could only shoot twelve feet and in. Yeah. We'll, go back, we'll go back to a point that I was making. Go ahead, make the last show. Is that back then there wasn't the money going around, so you didn't have these superstars joining each other to so make that paper because yeah. everybody. You wouldn't have three put two three players on the team making max money. That's true, and I and I agree with you that, and that's why I said like times they are changing, so we have to adjust to it. Like if the money's changing, the the mentality is going to have to change as well. You can't keep it the same. Right. I'm I'm looking at it like, yeah, the guys are going to play different. They're going to say I'm I'm worried about my legacy because I'm making money now, but I'm going to want to be in a better situation. I mean, if I was a GM, I would. I mean, the Lakers seem to be able to do it. The Celtics could do it back in the day and get all these stars on their teams. Why? Because they could convince them that if you come here and take less, you're going to win a championship. Nowadays, the players just don't trust the people who are in charge because they're like, when you hear the credentials, that's why there's only a few GMs in this league that people actually respect and say, I trust his judgment because they've seen them build and recruit players because you have GMs who just pick who the big talent is. And you're like, what is your vision for this team? You just you got a bunch of individuals who you think just have individual talent, but how is this going to grow the team? What is their vision for the team going forward? That's all I'm saying, Mike. I'm not saying I'm I'm with you. I don't want a bunch of super teams and no competition. But that yeah, you want, you want to, competition, definitely. Yeah, you got to go back to the, the teams themselves too. You got to be like, what demands are you putting on your players to get better? Because the teams that are winning, their players get better, and then they. They attract better players who are like, I don't want to play with these bums in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Sacramento is terrible, but for a while, people were going, Chris Webber was there, and they were good. Once you had talent that could grow and get better. That's all. I'm saying, Micah, like, Micah, you agree with me, right? Say you do. Yeah. Hey. I, no, I, I, I think I understand what Mike is saying. It's like, you don't, it's the buyout in bulk. You know, like, mm-hmm. too many players on one team, you end up with teams like Houston. Like, I tried to watch them the other day. It, it was hard to look at. You know, it's just John Wall. Yeah. And, and, that, and it's just a result of buyouts. And that's my, my thing going forward, like brought to my point. Who's demanding that these players get better? Like, you you were top players. To get to the NBA, you had to be top players. 
now all of a sudden you can't play? Like the offense is just shooting threes? Like, like I mean, I just that's that goes back to the team. If that's your mm-hmm. philosophy, you're not encouraging you're playing with the analytics, which is telling players you can only do this and this, they're good that the play is gonna suffer. Yeah. We love we love back in the day because guys scored from every point on the court. It didn't matter. If you gave me a mid-range, I'm taking it. You give me a three, I'm taking it. I'm going to the basket. Now the analytics has changed it where I'm only taking shots from here. So the game is by itself, they ruined it to themselves. So now the players are just following in suit. Like, okay, everybody's shooting threes. My team wants me to shoot threes. I got to shoot threes now or else I'm not going to be in the league anymore because people are going to be like, he can't shoot threes. They said that about DeMar DeRozan. He's still dropping 20-something a game. But they're like – Good mid-range game. Yeah. But two counts just as much as three. Not as much. You know what I mean. Like, But if he scores, he hits eight two-point buckets. He's got 16 points, gets to the foul line. He's got 24 points. But somehow the guy who scores 24 points shooting 17 threes and making six of them is seen as a better player. Like, I just don't get it. Like, you created this monster, and now you're mad that the players are – are, are learning to live with this monster and figuring out ways to be successful in this monster. And now we don't want Super Team. So let me ask you a question. And, and then I, I promise I'm going to shut up. I promise I'm going to shut up after this. Is Giannis ever going to win a, a championship in Milwaukee? Who, who said that? Giannis. Giannis. Is he ever going to win a championship in Milwaukee? Or is he going to have to leave to go win? The thing with Giannis, it's Milwaukee, bro. My, my wife is from Milwaukee. She ain't been back. <laughs> she left in in ninety nine. Man, I'm saying that man could very much want to bring a championship to Milwaukee. He's never. <laughs> he's not going to win because I don't think he needs to be the best player on your team. Yeah, he needs to expand his game, also. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's he's yeah. can't be the best player. He'll, okay, he'll never do it alone. He'll never do it alone. True, true, he'll, true. He'll, I'll he'll never get another player over there with the caliber to help him bring it bring it over the hump. Give a championship someplace else. I mean, Kareem. Kareem left. Once Kareem left, you know nobody wants to stay in Milwaukee. Like I, but that's that's the problem when you put teams in certain environments. It's not my fault because, like, how many would you take a job in Milwaukee? If they pay you know, absolutely, right. you would. Take well, you take two. I would too, but they pay me well. But in basketball, they all pay well. <laughs> and if if, if Milwaukee, <laughs> Miami's offering me jobs with the same pay. Or the same thing to you. If your company says, Mike, we have we have two 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 job openings, you can transfer here to Milwaukee or Miami. Miami by maybe twenty thousand dollars less. <laughs> All right, so Florida don't have a state tax, so I'm going to Florida. You can see what I mean? <laughs> but at my point, my point is still it, it's still these small market teams, and and God bless them. But oh yeah, I get if it. If you're a fan of one of those teams, then you are just destined to be in the same place that you've always been. Unless you're lucky like me, mm-hmm. and you get Andre, uh, Dr- I mean, Andre, but the Draymond Green, mm-hmm. um, messing up the finals, and I finally get to see my Cavs win a championship. Unless that happens. I mean, if it wasn't for LeBron, you would never have that. And if it wasn't for the fact that he went to play for a super team and learned how to build camaraderie and do all those things for Pat Riley, you would have never had that in, in um. Nah, nah. And so, what with LeBron only ended up with one championship? Have him twice, right? If Kyrie didn't get hurt, you know what I'm saying? You might have had one. Kyrie didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there either. He just wanted to finish out the contract. That's all it was. That's all it was. All right, fellas, we're at the one. 
you know, in 15 minute mark in two hours, we had an hour and 45 minutes, great conversation. We're going to be wrapping up in a minute, but before we go, got a little segment for you. Just hold on tight. The segment is called Get Your Mans. Oh, man. Did any of you happen to see this? <laughs> Did anybody <laughs> happen to see this? Oh, man. Oh, my word. Retirement. Oh, my <laughs> word. So now, I saw this the other night. I thought it was a joke. I saw one, I saw one, 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 um, one image. I thought it was a Photoshop. I was like, there's no way Paul Pierce is doing this on Instagram Live. Maybe they Photoshopped his head on somebody. And then they were like, oh, no, no, no. Well, wait. It was on my, one of my sports groups, Bees and Beans. Shout out to them. They were like, no, no, no. It's real. What say you about your man? all pizzy, the truth, living his best life. And they said he brought this. This is his house. I thought he was a barbershop. They said, no, this is his house. The man is married, bro. With a child. This this looks like a, a, (laughs) it looks like the hangover or a scene in the hangover where just True. Something went wrong. Somebody took a left turn when they're supposed to take a right, and it just got bad. Honestly, like this man, either he believes that he's the greatest basketball. Like, I'm a Celtics fan. I thank Paul Pierce for his service. But in his retirement, ever since winning his one and only championship after Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen got there, has transformed himself into somehow being the most outstanding basketball player that ever was since Michael Jordan. For you to do this, and you're on national TV, like, I don't, the weed smoke and all that, you can do whatever, you can do that. But putting this out there, you work for ESPN, and you work on one of their flagship shows, The Jump, with Rachel Nichols, who is a female, if you didn't realize by her name. And then you do this on the cusp of Women's History Month where ESPN is pushing women to the forefront to be more than just objectified. And then you do this. Do you think Paul Pierce will have a job on Monday? When did this come out? When did it? Yesterday. When did it happen? Yesterday. Yesterday. Last night? Or, Last yeah. or maybe the night before, I believe. I think it was Friday mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Friday night it happened. He's on Instagram Live showing this off. It wasn't I mean, like something up photos and then put it up. He put it up. And then yeah, I think you, uh, his tweets was this morning was like, he had like a meme of somebody going, like, like dude, yeah. you're smoking way too much weed, bro. Like, also, he just looks like he's he's going through stuff, man. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like, you see a lot of, you look at Shannon Sharp, you look at Richard Jefferson, all these dudes on TV after retirement, they look like they're they're getting into a new groove in life. Paul Pierce just looks like even KD, KG. You look at KG and you're like, KG looks like he can still play ball. Paul Pierce, you look at Paul Pierce and you're like, bruh. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is he doing? Like, I just have to bring this out because I just, I can't, bruh. Like, you're a married man 
and you do and you messing up the money like I, I don't get it. But is he is, is, is shooting a, a music video? I'm, I'm saying no. that jokingly. I'm not saying that jokingly, but uh, he said wow. he, this was there was like a barbershop. This was at first I thought he was at a barbershop, and there was this was going on at the barbershop. They said no, this was at his house because you know California isn't open like that. So he brought this to his house. So I'm like, is he going through a divorce that we don't know about? And he's just lashing out. But he's and then people were like, I was like, was he married? And he is married. He has a, a child and beautiful wife. They got married in 2010. I'm like, Paul Pizzi, like Mike. I'm gonna pray for him. I'm gonna pray, pray for him because there's first of all, <laughs> this man could be married to my wife and then have oh that the bus three happened on in the background, and I'm still living. I, know, I know she watching. You might get cut for just watching the video. <laughs> Diana, I, I, Diana, don't hurt him, baby. Don't hurt him. That's all. All I'm going to say is that that's just not a good look. Uh, is he going to be employed come Monday? Mm -hmm. I he most certainly might be suspended. He might be on WEI, the local radio station, come Tuesday. Mm -hmm. But he, he's got some, some other problems that he needed to deal with. And Ms. Bentley, this is what I, I talk about with somebody like the lore of the players, um, he did this, he did that, but don't put it out there. Like, that's just not a good look. Like, everybody yeah. has nothing against weed. It's legal in California. Yes, it is. And, you know, the club is legal all around the country. But to put that out there, knowing that this is the, you have a platform to do so much more. And then yeah. you, you were talking bad about James Harden and you know, just going to the strip club. He wasn't out there on Instagram living it, you know. Saying he went there, he hung out. Get, he didn't get in no trouble. It's but mm -hmm. like, Pierce, like we gotta, we gotta pull his card or something. Like somebody needs to sit him down and be like, "You need time out. Go in the corner, get yourself together." I don't blame the weed. I just think he, yeah, he's beyond reproach. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It may be some underlying issues going on uh, that, that we don't know about. I mean. You know, you married with kids, uh, you have to make better decisions, right? Uh, yeah. You know, you uh, brought up the, uh, asked the question, well, will he still be employed? And I agree with Mike, uh, maybe, or if not, you know, <laughs> his, uh, his, you know heavy suspension. Uh -huh. uh, but, but you know, something is, something is going on. Okay. What about you, Michael? Like on your Friday nights when, when, when you're... <laughs> The club pops up in your house. I, like. But that's the thing mm -hmm. is keep your business to yourself. You know, is yeah. that's somebody should be in his corner saying, you know, they should have his phone. You know, they mm -hmm. have PR people for that. Phone. Nobody should have had a phone. Like a lot of these players, when they talk about they do these things, they're like, that's the rule. If you're going to come in here, we're taking your phone. If and You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you're going to do what you want to do. I've partaken in any many of these things that Paul Pierce has in my younger days, but I ain't never put it, I ain't never thought about taking no pictures. <laughs> it's a new era. This is a new era, but he's not, he's not of the new era. He's of the golden era of basketball, and he should know better. Michael Jordan, there's stories about him, but Mike ain't never said a word. Mike mm -hmm. ain't never let a picture be taken, nothing. I respect him for that. Let you, you guys can tell stories, but until I see a photo, I am not commenting. <laughs> All right, we got another one.
So did you happen to see this one between the Easy Money Sniper oh, and your boy Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the man who runs the shame game? I follow Michael Rappaport because I find him hilarious. And I know he does this. He, he legitimately does this. It's not something new where he's like, oh, I'm going to out Kevin Durant. He does this to people all the time who DM him and like a lot of it started with all the Trump supporters and you know the politics going on the last four or five years. He would have people saying really racist and you know making threats of him. And he was like, he has a segment he does called the shame game. But he says, You think you can do put it in my DM and I'll keep it quiet? No, I will out you. He says that. So if you interact with Michael Rappaport in the DMs and you get aggressive and you say something out of pocket. He's letting you know, I have no shame in putting you out there. What you think about your boy Kevin Durant at this point? Like, I know people love to say, this is what I'm talking about, Mr. Bentley. I love Michael Jordan. I love Magic Johnson. I love Larry Bird. I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Why? It was more than just basketball. Mm-hmm. I understood the position I'm in, I'm the CEO of this, the team on the court not of the, the team overall, team on the court. There's a responsibility thrust upon me that I have to carry myself a certain way. I have to accept certain things. If you want to be the star and you want to make $30 million, normally that was part of the deal. Nowadays, like Mike says, everybody makes money. So it's all based on stats. Back in the day, you only got that big contract if you were willing to accept the leadership. Kevin Durant is out here Thugging it in Michael Rappaport's DMs. Like, and then you get caught on it, and everybody's saying, Oh, Michael Rappaport, that's foul. You shouldn't have did that. No, no, no. He's already made it clear this is what he does. So if you threaten him, and the thing is, he didn't even do it because Kevin Durant threatened him. He said once he started bringing his wife into the subject, that's when he said, You know what? We're going to be part of the shame game. So Kevin Durant had to know that. He knows who Michael Rappaport is. What do you think of one of your best players in the league involving himself in this basic of most basic behaviors? Like this is stuff little kids do, man. Takashi six nine out here, man. Like all these idle threats. Like what are you doing? Like I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean it goes back to decision making. I mean Kevin Durant is one of my favorite players in the NBA currently. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you should be concentrating on getting yourself better, rehabbing, focusing on the season, as opposed to getting into uh, outside stats, you know, with, with individuals. I mean, concentrate on the, on, on the season. That, that's the important thing. And I just think Kevin Durant sometimes, you know, gets himself involved and, you know, feels that he has to go back and forth. And why? You're, 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 you're a superstar, but you know? In the era, that that's what they do. They clap back. Yeah, but, you know, clap on the court. Get better. Get back on the court and help your team try to win an NBA championship. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just that's what I'm saying. Like, we all these topics kind of – this is the, 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 the tip of the iceberg here. The mentality of the players has changed throughout time. So things that we've gotten used to guys accepting. I think of all the players in the league left, I think the last one may be like Dane Lillard and guys like that. They even Giannis, I'll give him that. He kind of accepts the fact 
that I'm the leader of the team. I'm going to be a certain way. I'm going to carry myself a certain way. Expect this from me. Nowadays, all the other guys, they believe because they're of the world, they can just be who they are at all times. Like, mm-hmm. no. When you accept this position, like if you're the president of the United States, you can't be what you were when you were in college anymore. You have to accept this responsibility. If not, don't try to be that. And I think Kevin Durant has to learn that. If he hears this from me and he claps back at me, I'll be like, thank you. That means we're doing good. We got some good things. <laughs> to say, I'd be like, dude, you don't need to interact with me. It's just my opinion. And mm-hmm. it's going to be that sensitive. And then he, it's the whole thing was like, ah, oh, Mike, you were just joking around. I'm like, who joking around like that? Like me and Mike joke around, me and Mike could joke around, me and Uncle P joke around. I ain't never joked around like that. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you you thought it was a joke, but you were being serious. And when he called you on it, now everybody's like, oh, he should have never mm-hmm. stayed on him. K- KD just ne- need not to be on Instagram like that, bro. Mm-hmm. Twitter like that. You, you, you know, the, the block, thing is, don't block comments. Don't let people allow people to comment. The, the thing is that I've learned if, if I burn myself, Mm-hmm. I don't need to go back and light my face on fire for me to learn a lesson. Once yeah. I burn myself, I'm good. This guy, eventually and unfortunately, he's going to have to learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the hard way. He's it, like Deshaun Watson. Just learn himself a lesson. Mm-hmm. A $50,000 fine to him is not going to get him to learn his lesson. He's, if he's going to learn that lesson, he's mm-hmm. going to have to learn it the hard way. He's going to have to hurt his bank account. Or his his ability to play ball. That's the only way he's gonna learn his lesson. And that's true. And I, I totally agree. It's it's not it's no more that it's it's you can't be this anymore. Like you can't be the common person anymore. You gotta accept the fact that you're different. You know what I'm saying? You can't you can't involve yourself in things. You gotta be beyond reproach. You gotta be above the fray. Yep. I know people don't like it, they wanna be and have fun, but you can do all that with your friends. Why mm-hmm. involve people who have nothing to do with your day to day life? Just go on Twitter, block comments, or just get off of it. You're rich. You can hang out with way cooler people. Why are you involving yourself with Michael Rappaport? Why are you involving yourself with a 15-year-old in OKC? Like, this has been Kevin Durant for the last 10 years. He's 32 years old, still doing things like he's 20, well, between the ages of 15 to 21 now. So on that note, we're about to wrap up the show here. You know, it's been a great show. But before we go, before we go, Mike, Uncle B, one thing I do, I got to do, I got to shout out my nephew, Big G. G Felix, my, my nephew, Garrick, his team triangle offense. I tried to get it on the thing. They was uh, this weekend. Oh, man, I can't get it on here. Mike, you, you, I, you, I, you, offense, my nephew's team, the scores were like 62 to 19, 63 to 9. Congrats on that. 50 to 15 and 51 to 38. My nephew was blocking. He had like 11 blocks one game. Wow. Uh, shout him out yes. and his team for Come doing down. that thing. Come Keep good work. Yeah. Work hard. Oh, play as a team and you see what you can achieve. Shout out to the coaching staff. Shout out to my brother, Big D, for being there and always being on my nephew, my, 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 my sister-in-law and everybody for just motivating him and staying behind him, putting education first and hard work. That's been the key. So shout out to Triangle Offense doing their thing this past weekend winning the tournament. And on that note, I want to thank my guest, big, pretty-eyed Mike Manley, Michael yes, Dr. Uncle Ryan Bentley, for joining us here on another episode of the Inside Out Podcast. Join us a week from, not a week from now, another week from now. How do you say that? The week after next? 
with our next show. We're going to try to organize. I want to do a coaching <laughs> show, so we'll see about that. And we're going to organize the show about what, what, what topic do you want to do, Mike? Man, that was, that was a half hour ago. I don't remember what we were talking about. Mike old, y'all. Diana, he <laughs> goes to bed. You can see he fades real. Because uh, playing college athletes. Playing college athletes. Playing college athletes. Yeah. Okay, be on the lookout for that and more stuff coming from us on the SI Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. All right? Peace.